God is your all in all. Let's give him one more hand clap of praise. I mean, not a little bit, but your all and all. He's worthy to be praised. Yes. Well, let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you thanking you that you are everything to us. And we need you, Lord. The very air that we breathe is because of you. The air in our lungs, our health, our strength, everything that we are is because of you. So now, Lord, I pray, oh God, that you will speak to us today through your word. Lord, we need you. We can't trust in anything else but you, Lord. So we humble ourselves this morning. We humble ourselves before you. We posture our hearts to hear from you. Challenge us today through your word. Push us out of our comfort zone today. Help us to step out on faith in whatever you are calling us to do. But Lord, most of all, help us to hold on to you. So now, Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, may it be acceptable in your sight. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord one more hand clap of praise, everybody? The Lord is worthy to be praised. Well, today, you all, we're going to be hanging out in the Old Testament book, Isaiah, I'm going to be kind of walking us through uh, my, one of my favorite passages and one of the most popular passages in the Bible. In fact, uh, one of these verses, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31, uh, the verse I'm about to read to you is the key verse of what Eagle's Nest Church was built upon. It's one of the reasons that we are called Eagle's Nest Church. So meet me in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 40, and I'm going to read verse 31 from the New Living Translation. Again, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 from the New Living Translation. And it reads, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. How many of y'all need new strength? Raise your hand. Yes. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to speak to you today from the subject, how to be an eagle in a world full of chickens. (laughs) How about that? How many of you all want to be an eagle? Raise your hand. All right. How to be an eagle in a world that's full of chickens. You might be familiar with the story of a treacherous storm that blew an eaglet out of his mother's nest. A little eaglet is a baby eagle. Well, the wind was so fierce 
that it blew this little eaglet into a chicken farm. And on this chicken farm, there were hundreds of chickens that were born and raised. So this little eaglet blended right in at first. Because after all, an eagle and a chicken, they do have a few things in common. They both have feathers and they both have wings. So this little eaglet just blended right in. But as the eaglet matured, the eaglet started to grow uh, taller and and bigger and, and it looked stronger than the other chickens. And so... The eaglet began to feel out of place in the chicken farm. And all the chickens would look at this eaglet thinking that the eaglet was a chicken and they would make fun of this ugly chicken, which was really an eagle. But he didn't know he was an eagle. So after a while, this eaglet because this eaglet was in an environment with a whole bunch of chickens, began to act like a chicken. Began to run around in circles like a chicken. Began to squabble and fight like a chicken. So even though the little eaglet was growing up in the chicken farm, there was something uncomfortable to this eaglet. He would often think, I don't fit in. But after a while, he became comfortable in the chicken farm, running around, doing life with chickens. Well, one day they were out in the chicken coop and a group of eagles were flying through the sky. And the father eagle that was leading this group of eagles in the sky looked down and said, hey, eagle, yeah, you down there in that chicken farm. What are you doing down there hanging out with those chickens? You belong in the sky. You're supposed to be flying up here with us. Well, the little eaglet said, I'm not an eagle. I'm a chicken. I've been a chicken my whole life. And the father eagle said, no, you're not a chicken. You're supposed to be up here flying with us. Then the father eagle said, I tell you what, start flapping your wings. And then this little eaglet started flapping his wings. And then the father eagle said, flap them a little harder. Come on, flap them a little harder. And he started flapping a little harder. Next thing you know, that little eaglet began to rise off of the the ground. And you know what the chickens were doing? They were criticizing him. What are you doing? Get back down here with us. Come back down here where you belong. You don't belong in the sky. You belong right here in the chicken coop and on the chicken farm with us. Who do you think you are? Well, he was a little confused because he had been with these little chickens his whole life. That was his family. Those are where his aunts and his uncles and his cousins were and his co-workers. But there was still something inside of him that was telling him, You can soar. 
So he began to flap his wings and it began to rise higher and higher. And the higher he would rise, the more those chickens would criticize. What are you doing? And then he began to feel the exhilaration of soaring through the sky. And after a while, he just began to soar higher and higher. And it felt so natural to him. Felt so natural. And he just began to soar with eagles. And then he said, all this time I've been living like a chicken when I was born as an eagle. I was born to soar. And I want to tell you all, some of you all have been hanging out with too many chickens. Some of you all been letting those chickens pull you down. Some of you all been letting their criticisms pull you down and affect you. But I'm here to tell you today that God's word to you is that you are born to soar. You're not born to run around with chickens. Do you believe that? So today, by the power of God, I'm hoping to get some of you all out of your chicken farm. Now, your chicken farm might be your job. Your chicken farm could actually, it could even be your family, some of your cousin and mama them and pookie them. Your chicken farm could be just people in, in your neighborhood. Your chicken farm is anything that is holding you back and making you feel comfortable where you are. But God is trying to get you to soar. So how do you become an eagle when you're surrounded by so many chickens? Let's talk about this. In the scriptures, God compared his people, you all, to many things. But as our text implies in the book of Isaiah, God chose to identify us with eagles. He could have easily compared us to other birds. But let's see what kind of bird represents your life right now. Maybe you are a chicken in some areas of your life. Let me tell you about chickens. Chickens are people who are generally afraid of life and they seldom reach their potential. Why? Because of fear. Now, I don't know about you, but my grandparents and my parents grew up in South Georgia. They moved to Atlanta when they got married. My grandparents uh, lived in South Georgia. So I would go visit my grandparents every Sunday. And my um, maternal grandparents uh, were farmers and they had a chicken coop. And all you had to do, they, they raised chickens. And all you had to do is go near a chicken and just say, die, and the chicken would just run. In fact, the chickens would run even if they saw you coming. They were very fearful animals. And so a chicken is someone who fears failure. A chicken is someone who fears what other people think about them. 
A chicken can even be someone who fears success. They feel more comfortable in the chicken coop with other chickens. They are crowd followers and they love to squabble and fight. Are you a chicken? But maybe you're saying, I'm not a chicken. Okay, I got another question for you. Are you a buzzard? A buzzard. Okay, what is a buzzard? Buzzards feed mostly on the carcasses of dead animals. If something is dead, you're going to, after a while, you're going to find a buzzard around it. Let me tell you about these buzzards. They love to rip people apart. Human buzzards love to rip people apart, and they love to tear people apart with their mouths. They are attracted to gossip, to slander, to drama, and to dysfunction. I know some of y'all know some buzzards in your life. Oh, they love dead things. They love to get excited about drama and negative things. They are attracted to negative things. But maybe you're not a chicken or buzzard. Maybe you are a pigeon. Well, what does a pigeon do? Pigeons are generally looking for handouts from anyone willing to give it to them. Okay, you've been to a park before, and if you have a little cracker or a piece of bread and you throw it out there, all the pigeons show up because they love handouts. Pigeons love to get. They're not going to give you anything. Oh, but they love to take. So maybe you're not a chicken, maybe you're not a buzzard, maybe you're not a pigeon, but maybe you are a turkey. (laughs) Oh man, if this was the 1970s, I would say maybe you are a jive turkey. (laughs) Y'all remember that? How many silver eagles and soon to be silver eagles remember the term jive turkey? Yeah. Okay, what do turkeys do? Turkeys just eat to get fat. Because people who raise turkeys are getting them ready for the big day of the year, Thanksgiving. So all turkeys do is eat and get fat. They're not committed. They won't serve. They don't really serve a purpose. They just eat, eat, eat. Just like a whole lot of people in the church. They come to consume, consume, and consume. That's all. They don't give, give, give. They just want to eat. Oh, I got my word today. Woo. But you hadn't served in years. Oh, yeah, God spoke to me today. Woo, I like that song today. That's good that you got your word and you got your song and you feel good. And it's good that you receive something. But my question to you is what are you giving? Jive turkey. Chickens, buzzards, pigeons, turkeys, but then there are eagles. How many of y'all want to be an eagle? Raise your hand. Yeah. An eagle is a different kind of bird, you all. They are truly remarkable creatures. They fly higher than any bird in the bird community. In fact, when the other birds are picking on an eagle, an eagle doesn't even get distracted. 
You know how it is in life. Sometimes people pick on you. They talk about you. They gossip about you. Uh, They may say something about you on social media. Okay, they may ostracize you. And what we will do is we will fight back or we will say something back or we will let them get us down. Eagles don't do that because an eagle knows all I got to do is keep flying higher. And those other birds, they can't fly as high as I can. So one of the ways that an eagle ignores other birds is the eagle flies to a higher altitude and the other birds can't breathe in that altitude. They'll die. So sometimes, y'all, in life, when people are trying to bring you down, you just got to keep flying high and you got to ignore them. So let me tell you about eagles. Eagles also don't fly and hang around with other birds. Eagles fly with eagles. Eagles hang out with eagles. You're not going to see an eagle hanging out with a geese. Okay, you're not going to see an eagle hanging around with other birds because eagles are leaders. That's why we call our church Eagles Nest Church, because I believe that I'm talking to eagles right now. Amen. I'm talking and I'm looking at some eagles. So what kind of Christian are you? Are you an eagle, Christian, or chicken, buzzard, pigeon, or turkey kind of Christian? I'm so glad God compared us to eagles and not chickens. That brings me to Isaiah 40, 31. One of the most powerful and popular verses in the Bible. As a matter of fact, as I said, it is the ministry verse for Eagle's Nest Church. This verse is on pictures. All you have to do is go into a Christian bookstore. You'll see it on pictures. You'll see it on posters. You'll see it on mugs. You'll see it on pens and on calendars. Isaiah 40. 31. People have it memorized, yet most Christians really don't grasp what it is saying. We do that with a lot of scriptures. We memorize it, which is good, but do we really grasp what it means? Well, let me give you some history and insight on why the prophet Isaiah spoke these majestic words to the Israelites, God's people. You see, in Isaiah's day, Israel, or God's people, were going through some very difficult times, sort of like some of you all are going through some very difficult times. 700 years before Christ, a group called the Assyrians invaded Israel took some of them captive, and made some of them slaves, and some of them were deported. It was a bad situation. The Assyrians kind of came in. And then a couple of hundred years later, 500 years or so before Christ, the Babylonians came in and did the same thing. Can you imagine that things are already bad, and as soon as you get on your feet, 
Somebody else comes in and just wipes you out. So things go from bad to worse. And life can be like that sometimes. All of us go through stuff. And then we wait on our change to come, as you should. And sometimes the change doesn't come. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. So these people were downtrodden. They were discouraged because things had gone from bad to worse. They were fighting disappointment and despair. And I don't know about you, but I've had to fight that before. Where things don't go right, sometimes it seems like your goals and your dreams are shattered, and then things go from bad to worse, it gets worse, and you literally cry out to God, God, what is going on? I'm trying to live for you. I'm trying to do the right thing. And it just seems like all of these negative things are hitting me. And when that happens in our lives sometimes, here's what some of us do, and here's what God's people were doing in this text. They were whining and complaining. They had developed a woe is me type of attitude. In other words, they started feeling sorry for themselves. That is the context of these words in Isaiah. Quite frankly, you all, they began to feel like chickens. So in this text, the prophet Isaiah shows them, as he is showing us today, how to go from being a chicken to an eagle. I want to give you three things, and there are many things from this passage that we can glean from, But I want to give you three quick things for you to think about. Three quick things that we can glean from from this passage. How to be an eagle in a world full of chickens. Number one, we must acknowledge our weaknesses or you need to acknowledge your weaknesses. Now, that's an interesting thing. You don't get a whole lot of amens. Like you kind of look and say, what? God doesn't mind you crying out to him when you're in pain. God doesn't want you to fake it. You see, a lot of us have it all wrong. We, um, we, We say things, and I understand some of this, because you do have to be careful how you talk. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. But at the same time, you don't ignore reality because if you don't deal with reality, you'll never be able to get the help that you need. So if you don't deal with the reality that your marriage is not going well, then you won't get marital counseling because you don't want to deal with the reality. If you don't want to deal with the reality that your body may not be functioning right, you might be sick, then you won't go to the doctor. So so there is a certain amount of reality that we have to embrace in life because that's what drives us to get the help that we need. And sometimes, y'all, we have to acknowledge our weakness. 
Lord, I'm hurting. Lord, I'm depressed. Lord, I'm disappointed. Lord, everybody else is getting married, and these folks, they don't even live for God, and I'm still single. Lord, I've been trying to grow my business, and I'm faithful to you. I'm giving, and, I'm, and it just hasn't taken off. Those are real deals. Or maybe you lose a loved one, and your life is not the same. So it's okay to say, Lord, I'm hurting. Lord, I'm weak. It's okay to say, Lord, I'm being tempted. Lord, I know I shouldn't be thinking this, but, but Lord, that, I don't, for some reason, my mind is thinking like this. Lord, I need you to help me. I'm weak. So in order for you to become strong, you first have to admit your weakness. Okay, let's look at Isaiah. I'm going to go back to verse 27 because this is where it all starts. Isaiah 40, verses 27, and then we're going to work our way up very quickly to verse 31. Because verse 31, that's the good stuff. But we got to deal with verses 27 through 30 in order to get to the good stuff. Because you don't see these verses I'm getting ready to talk about on coffee mugs, okay, on T-shirts. Okay, because see, in the world we live in today, everybody likes to show their highlights. Because you don't put your lowlights on social media, or very rarely. But I want you to see the lowlights in this text first. Isaiah 40, verse 27. I want to look at it in three translations. First, the New Living Translation. Look at what it says. O Jacob, that's uh, another name for Israel, Oh, Jacob, how can you say, this is Isaiah the prophet talking to the people of God. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? So the prophet is saying, how can you say God doesn't see what you're going through? Because they were so depressed, they were just thinking God has forgotten all about me. So Isaiah says, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? There are a lot of bad things happening to them. But then let's look at the good news translation, what he says in this verse. And it says, Israel, why then do you complain that the Lord doesn't know your troubles? How many of y'all have ever complained, tell the truth, that the Lord didn't know your troubles? All of us have. So he says, how then do you complain that the Lord doesn't know your troubles or care if you suffer injustice? And then the message Bible, I love what this one says. Why would you ever complain? This is the prophet Isaiah talking to the people of God. Why would you ever complain, O Jacob, or whine? They were whining. Israel saying, God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. Things were so bad, they were questioning God. Just like some of you all have before. Just like I have before, because things were not going the way I expected. They were basically saying, Lord, you don't understand our situation. You've forgotten about us. Don't you see what is happening to us? Don't you see I'm still unemployed? Don't you see I'm still not married? Don't you see I'm married and I'm not happy? Because you see, some singles want to get married and 
Some married folks wish they were single again. Don't you see I'm dealing with this illness? Don't you see I'm struggling financially? That was their their complaint. So the prophet Isaiah, you all, responds to their complaint by asking two powerful rhetorical questions. Then he goes on to describe the goodness of God. So so check out this verse uh, in verses uh, 28. Look at this. The prophet Isaiah, after they're complaining, he says, have you never heard? Have you never understood? Okay, let me break it down. You've been in church your whole life, shouting, listening to these songs, raising your hand, and then as soon as trouble comes, you complain and forget about God. Now y'all got it? That was the spirit. What's all that Bible reading for? What's all that Bible study for? You've been going to ENU. You've been going to Eagle's Nest. You've been in church your whole life. And as soon as trouble comes, you complain. Then he says, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He has to remind them who God is. If he can create the earth, don't you think he can get you out of your situation? Don't you know your situation is not too big for God? Then he goes on to tell him this, y'all. He he describes some attributes of God. He says he never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. Y'all, some stuff we go through, we don't understand. We don't even understand what God is doing. That's why we have to trust God. Because what we think is a bad situation right now, and it may feel bad, five years from now, you'll be shouting about it, thanking the Lord. Woo, I'm glad I didn't marry that person. I'm glad they fired me now because look at what God has done. So you never know, guys, what, what, what God is trying to do, how he's trying to guide you and protect you. So Isaiah is telling them, don't you know who God is? Don't you know your situation is not too hard for God to handle? And that is the word of the Lord for some of you all right now. Your situation is not too hard for God to handle. I love what the Apostle Paul said about his weakness. One of the greatest followers of Christ ever. He had a thorn in the flesh. And the word says that he came to God, begged God to take this thorn. We don't know what it was. It could have been a a bad habit. It could have been a physical condition. It could have been his eyesight. We, We don't know. But we do know it was something so strong that the Apostle Paul said it was a Thorn in the flesh, and, and, and one of the reasons that, that God, he felt like God gave it to him was to keep him humble. But he still begged God to take it away. So I want you to see how the Apostle Paul responded to his weakness, this thorn in the flesh. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Look at these words. 
The Apostle Paul says each time he said, meaning God said to him, when he says, take it away, Lord, this is what God said to him. My grace is all you need. Repeat after me, say, my grace is all you need. That's what God is telling you right now. Then he says, my power, this is, this is what God says to Paul, my power works best in weakness. So God's power actually works best in weakness. And I know a lot of us don't like to talk and preach about weakness. But then he goes on to say this. This is Paul talking. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ can work through me. That's like Paul saying, I'm boasting about my struggles. Then he ends it with this. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. Now, now, some of us are suffering, and it ain't for Christ. You see, some suffering we bring on ourselves because we're not living for Christ. So Paul was saying, because I stand up, because I have a high standard, I'm suffering. Okay, let me break it down. Because if you're a female, you're not sleeping around with everybody that you meet on a dating app, then you might suffer. Because some of these guys think that you're supposed to sleep with them on the first date. Or if if you tell them, no, I'm going to wait till I get married, they will look at you like you're crazy. But that's God's standard. And that's just one example. So Paul is saying that he suffered hardships, persecution, troubles for Christ. He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. As I was reading through this, you all, I thought about when I started Eagle's Nest Church. When you start a church, they call that church planting. Like you're planting something in the ground that is supposed to come up. I could go into detail, but I don't have enough time to, but I will say this, that y'all, it might have been one of the weakest times in my life. Why? Because if you know anything about my background, I grew up being an athlete, so I was taught to have a lot of confidence, and I did. And then I went into the investment business, and I was an investment advisor, which was really uh, a sales position. I had to sell people in order to get them to do business with me and to buy stocks and bonds and mutual funds. So no matter what I knew about the investment world, if I couldn't sell them, then I couldn't get business. So you have to be very confident. And I was. However, when it came to starting a church, I had never done that, and, 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 and there were not a lot of training programs, and, and I remember how weak I felt. Lord, I just don't know if this is going to work. I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm going to be faithful to you, Lord, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm feeling so insecure. Who's going to come? All these great churches in Atlanta, 
But Lord, I'm going to step out out of my comfort zone and I'm going to obey you and I'm going to do what you're calling me to do. But you all, I would be lying to you if I told you I was confident. Now, I was sure God was telling me to do it, but I wasn't confident that it was going to work. And I wasn't even confident that God had the right guy. I was like Moses, Lord, you sure about this? But at the same time, two or three other guys that I knew were also starting a church. And they were super confident. They were like, man, we're going to set the world on fire. Man, we're gonna have, I'm going to have thousands in no time. And I remember listening to them and thinking about how I felt. I'm like, man, I wish I had that kind of confidence. Eleven years later, we're thousands of people. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative about those, people, those guys. They're still friends of mine. But two out of three of them are out of ministry. And their churches never got over 50 to 60 people. Nothing is wrong with that. Here's my point. They were not operating in weakness and humility. They were saying, oh, I'm going to be the best thing since sliced bread. People are going to come from all over Atlanta to hear me preach. Oh, I got a word for folks. That's not weakness. That's haughtiness. That's pride. Weakness is, Lord, I don't deserve this. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this without you. Because if it's left up to me, it won't work. But with your power, you make me strong in my weakness. Now, I know, praise God for that. I know that's a different kind of word for some of you all, because in this world today, all the motivational speakers and preachers, who a lot of them are just motivational speakers, will tell you, you got to believe in yourself. And you do to a certain extent. But you can't accomplish something spiritual by fleshly means. You can't. And if you do it and start it in the flesh, then you're going to have to maintain it in the flesh. And God has no obligation to bless it because you're doing it on your own. So when something goes wrong, oh, Lord, I need your help. He's like, oh, now you want to come to me, Mr. Big Stuff. So quickly acknowledge your weakness. Number two, as I've said in point number one, we need to trust in God's strength. Trust in his strength. Okay, now let's look at verses 29 and 30. Very simple. I won't spend a lot of time because it speaks for itself. Isaiah said, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths become weak and tired. Do you all know more young people are suffering from depression, dealing with suicide, on all kind of anxiety medications? And a lot of it is because what they see on social media And a lot of the peer pressure and all the stuff online 
I mean, it was hard enough for those of us who were 50 and older when we grew up. I mean, peer pressure was, was tough, but what they are dealing with today is 20 times more difficult than what we had to deal with. But Isaiah says, even youth become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion and just give up. But he says, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. So we got to trust in God's strength. Lastly, I love these words, verse 31. We have to start soaring like an eagle. Now remember the chicken, um, the eagle was in the chicken farm. He didn't even know he was an eagle until the father eagle in the sky called it out of him. Flap your wings. He didn't say, okay, gradually, flap them right now. So God is saying to some of you all, you need to start soaring right now. Step out on faith like an eagle. Let's go back to verse 31 as I get close to my close. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. This is the prophet Isaiah talking to him, motivating him. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So I want to leave you just with this definition of soaring, you all. Here's what soaring means. The word soar means to fulfill your God-given purpose. That's what it means. To fulfill your God-given purpose. Chickens don't want you to fulfill your God-given purpose. The enemy, the Satan, doesn't want you to fulfill your God-given purpose. But I am decreeing today that you will soar high on wings like eagles and do what God has called you to do. Come on, let's give God praise for that. Amen. God is good. Well, here's how I want to end it. I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Father, we come to you thanking you for who you are. Lord, many of us have been affected by chickens. Therefore, some of us have become chickens. Scared, fearful to trust you and to step out on faith. So I'm praying for those right now who need to trust the Lord like never before and show how much they trust the Lord by stepping out on faith and flapping their wings and soaring high. Lord, we know that we can't do anything significant without you. So we ask for your power to be upon us right now. With all heads bowed, all eyes closed, You won't be able to soar high on wings like eagles if you don't trust in the Lord 100%. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to say a prayer. I would like for you to repeat it after me. And maybe this is something that you are committing yourself to in terms of this prayer. But even if it is or it isn't, I want you to repeat this prayer. But somebody out there, somebody online needs to give their life to Jesus. So please repeat after me. Dear Lord, come into my life. 
May the power of your Holy Spirit change me right now. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. So you said, if I confess with my mouth and believe that in my heart, then I will be saved. So Lord, save me right now. Cleanse me right now. And make me a new person. In Jesus' name. With all heads bowed, all eyes closed, if you said that prayer and you meant it, you said it for the first time, if you gave your life to Jesus at this very moment, if you're saying, I surrender, I give my heart to Jesus, just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come down. Those of you online, you can just put it in the chat. But I'm just looking for somebody who is wanting to commit their life to Jesus right now. Anybody else? So, Father, we thank you for who you are, for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.